Each year, Americans waste millions of dollars on food products that imply unsubstantiated health claims. Are medical foods just another form of misleading marketing? Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host, and joining me today is Mike Katke, Vice President of Medical Marketing and co-founder of Metagenics, Inc. And we're going to talk a little bit about how medical foods are defined and how they are different than other nutritional products marketed for health reasons. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Caskell. It's nice to be here. Well, Mike, what is a medical food? What constitutes that definition? A medical food is like a dietary supplement, but it's a specific FDA category of a food that would be administered to a patient who has a specific disease or health problem. A medical food is designed to be administered under the supervision of a physician, It provides nutrients that cannot typically be met by diet alone and that are established as necessary for that patient based on medical evaluation. And so these are FDA approved? Well, the category is approved and designated by the FDA. The FDA does not approve each individual medical food, but it does approve the category and then the way they're manufactured is controlled and regulated by FDA. And is there a difference between something that's labeled as a medical food as opposed to a nutritional supplement? There is a difference in that the medical food must be administered under the supervision vision of a physician, as I said, and it is designed for people with a specific disease or health problem. So it's designed to meet their special needs as a result of their condition. How about an example of a medical food and its specific disease state? You could have as simple as folic acid could be labeled as a medical food for, for example, people with coronary heart disease or for prevention of neural tube defects. You could have a specific nutrient actually labeled as a medical food as simply as that. We have a medical food for metabolic syndrome to provide the special needs that patients with metabolic syndrome have due to their insulin resistance, to their disorders with lipid metabolism, and other things related to metabolic syndrome. So you can put a number of nutrients that would not typically be found in the diet for those individuals but are necessary to manage their condition. So what what are those particular ingredients that the metabolic syndrome patient might need? Some of the things that have been established for metabolic syndrome are things like soy protein. Soy protein in cardiovascular disease, this is another one of the health claims that has been allowed by FDA for soy protein and the naturally occurring isoflavones that are found within soy protein products. So that might be something that patients are not able to get routinely in a regular diet and might be a beneficial thing for people with metabolic syndrome or cardiovascular disease risk. And when you're doing a a therapeutic lifestyle program, What's the purpose of of having medical foods? The medical food enhances the overall impact of the program. It helps patients get results faster, and it improves overall outcomes. We did a trial not too long ago where we compared using diet only, diet and lifestyle change only in one arm of the group who had patients with metabolic syndrome. The other arm got the same diet and lifestyle program along with a medical food specifically designed for metabolic syndrome. The outcomes were about twice as good in the group using the medical food compared to those who use the diet only. I think the final outcome was 43% of those using the medical food no longer met the criteria for metabolic syndrome after 12 weeks whereas only 22% of those in the diet-only arm no longer met the criteria for metabolic syndrome. It's pretty good. It's twice as good. You know, in, in some of your products, there's these things called selective kinase inhibitors. Can you tell me what those are and how they work, if you can? Yes. 
There are, as you know, kinases have been discovered as substances that modulate the function of pretty much everything on a cellular level. And we have developed nutraceuticals that affect kinases, and they modulate. They don't block or knock out specific kinases, which is a a significant area of research in the pharmaceutical industry, but they modulate kinases to shift them in a direction that would be pro-health. For example, they would modulate, in one of the products we've developed, they modulate kinases involved with inflammatory response. They modulate the production of NF-kappa B and COX-2 enzymes, And they don't block those enzymes, but they decrease the production of them in response to an inflammatory trigger. And so we use kinase modulators as one of the ingredients in our medical foods to enhance the overall outcome in a specific condition. The example I was just giving you of metabolic syndrome a minute ago, we have a kinase modulator that affects insulin sensitivity as well as inflammation, both of which are features of metabolic syndrome. So this substance, which is made from a special extract from hops, and from an extract from a tree called the acacia tree. Those two ingredients in a specific ratio improve insulin sensitivity, reducing blood sugar and reducing insulin in metabolic syndrome patients or in diabetic patients. And so that ingredient is included in the medical food. It is something that's not typically available in the diet, and it is helpful to patients who have insulin resistance. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell. I'm talking with Mike Katke, Vice President of Medical Marketing and co-founder of Metagenics, Inc., And we're trying to understand the differences between medical foods and nutritional products. Is there something out there called functional food? There is, but that's not an FDA category. The FDA has categorized dietary supplements as a category in and of themselves. There's foods, there's dietary supplements, there's medical foods, there's OTC medications, and then there's drugs. So those are the FDA categories that are available. Functional foods is a category of foods that are being sold that have a specific function related to health in the body. Probiotics might be considered functional foods as they affect the gastrointestinal flora or gut function. There are a number of things like that that would be considered functional foods, but the FDA doesn't regulate those. And if a doctor is you know, trying to look at either purchasing or, or selling medical foods, what's the key information he should be looking at? Let's say there's you know, three companies that do the same thing, what would make Metagenics stand out? Well, you want to know the quality of the product that they're producing, and there is significant variance in quality in the industry with products that might seem the same when you look at the label. The way the product is manufactured, are they a certified organization as far as good manufacturing practices are concerned? For example, Metagenics is certified by three different certifying agencies, and and now actually we've just been certified by FDA itself. FDA came out with their own guidelines or regulations for good manufacturing practices for dietary supplements in 2007. Large companies, over 500 employees, were required to adhere to those supplements as of July of last year, 2008. Smaller companies will be required to adhere to those manufacturing guidelines in July of 2009. However, there is very little auditing done by FDA. The FDA has the regulations, but very little policing effort. Mm -hmm. They do police some of the larger companies or, or audit them. So FDA has audited our facility. We're also certified for GMP by the only other bodies that do that. Natural Products Association 
has a GMP certification, and they come in and audit routinely. The NSF has a GMP certification. They also audit. And then we're also certified by the TGA, Therapeutic Goods Administration, in Australia. It's basically like the FDA of Australia. They certify our facility and audit it. So we're audited routinely about every three months. You want to have a company manufacturing products that you use that has a third-party auditor that looks at their manufacturing processes and makes sure they adhere to good manufacturing practices. That would be step number one. Now, let's pick a particular product, fish oil. If a patient goes to Costco or Walgreens or Walmart and buys fish oil there, you know, what can you say to a patient that, listen, uh, Metagenics fish oil is way better when they look at the ingredients and see, you know, it's fish oil? Right. Well, there, there is actually quite a variance in the quality of fish oil that's out there. Contaminants is a big issue. There are many contaminants, as we know, in fish, and when you concentrate oils from those fish, those, those contaminants are found in the oil. Those contaminants must be removed in order to have the highest quality product. So you have to find what's in there, so you have to test for it, and then you have to have processing that eliminates those contaminants from the end material. Most companies don't do extensive testing. They don't really know what's in their fish oil. They don't test for it, and they don't have the ability to be certain that it's been eliminated. And when people are buying products from low-cost providers, people manufacture specifically for low-cost providers, and they tend to provide low-cost materials. So you buy the lower-cost materials. You're not doing the testing because it's more expensive, and it adds cost to the end product. And you know, you really don't know what you're getting in that environment. So you're getting what you pay for. Yeah, very much so. And in fact, the largest company that manufactures in our industry about a year and a half ago was reported to the FDA by one of its own QC people because the finance folks in the company decided that they didn't need to do all that expensive testing, and they bypassed that. And the QC people, one of the individuals had an integrity issue with that, reported them to the FDA, and the FDA did come in and close them down. But FDA never would have known that if one of the internal people had not informed them. All right, so we can safely assume that Metagenics has one of the best products on the market. I would concur with that. You would would stand behind that statement? I would absolutely stand behind that. We do more testing than any other company in in the industry that we're aware of. We have the most strict quality control procedures, and we're the only company that's triple certified by all these different agencies for good manufacturing practices. All right, so let's get back to um, the cost of medical foods. How does that work? Who pays for it, and do insurance companies cover the costs? Insurance companies typically do not pay for medical foods. They're not on formularies in most cases where an insurance company would pay for that. Many people use their flexible spending accounts or Mm -hmm. their medical savings accounts to pay for these things, and that is totally appropriate so they can do it in a tax-adjusted way so that it does save them money, but it is an out-of-pocket expense. And once you are prescribed a medical food, is it a temporary therapy or is it like psychotherapy where you need to continue until you die? It very much depends on what your condition is, but most of our medical foods are designed to be used for a period of time, and we use them in conjunction with a therapeutic lifestyle program Mm -hmm. where they're changing their diet, they're changing their food intake in a positive way. Long ago, we believed that dietary supplements were just that. They should be a supplement to a good diet. So we put a lot of focus on lifestyle changes, and then we add supplements and medical foods on top of the healthy diets. So when people really 
follow the diet after a time, they can typically stop the medical food and maintain with diet only. And do you have any particular labeling that applies to you? For example, the Food Allergen Labeling and Consumer Protection Act of 2004? Yes, yes, very much so. And it's very strict regulation and it makes it very difficult as a manufacturer in some cases to to label in a very clear way. So we have to label very strictly with regard to those regulations. For example, if a product is manufactured, say you want to say that the product is dairy-free, and if it's manufactured on a machine that has previously, at any time, manufactured a product containing dairy, you cannot say that the product that was manufactured subsequently was free of dairy. And the FDA is pretty strict about how you use the terms free or you know, saying that it, that it doesn't have the ingredient in it. So... Yes, we have to follow those laws, and they're quite strict. Mike, at the convenience store today, I saw a whole rack of Zone Bars, Atkin Bars, Balance Bars. Are those considered medical foods? No, they're not. And it would depend very much on the labeling. Many products, not many, but there are a number of products out there that are mislabeled according to FDA guidelines. There are labeling requirements for dietary supplements. There are different labeling requirements for medical foods and you have to be sure to, to adhere to whichever category you're labeling your product as. And, you know, the other thing that I failed to mention earlier is that you have to have scientific data to substantiate the uh, clinical application of a medical food, whereas you n- do not have to have that for dietary supplements. So that's another difference. And if you label your product as a medical food, then you have to have that substantiation. So most of those products do not have the scientific backing behind them, and they couldn't be labeled as medical foods or shouldn't be. And last question, as I was looking at the ingredients of these bars, trying to look at the sugar contents, one of them uses a term which I'm unfamiliar with, sugar alcohols. Can you comment on that? Is that just a tricky way of uh, sticking sugar in there? Well, no, sugar alcohols are the no-calorie or very, very low-calorie substitutes for sugar. Typically, they can produce, you know, maltitol or things like that are in the sugar alcohol, erythritol. In higher amounts, they can produce gastric upset. They're used as, you know, flavoring ingredients or sweetening ingredients to avoid sugar. And we don't typically use those in our products. We find that it's not the best approach for patients because of the potential side effects from them. And they give you kind of a funky taste, in my opinion. So we try to avoid the sugar alcohols. I'd like to thank our guest, Mike Katke, Vice President of Medical Marketing and co-founder of Metagenics. Thank you. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at ReachMD.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. Or you can now call us toll-free with comments or suggestions at 888-MD-XM160. And thanks for listening.